You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. With me is Ian Cunningham, co-head of multi-asset growth at 91 in London. Ian, today I want to talk about inflation. I want to talk about recession fears and all the associated implications for a broad set of asset classes and also your strategy at, at 91. But let me just give you a couple of figures first, because as far as I know, the South African inflation rate is 7.4%, CPI inflation that is. In the Eurozone, I think it's 8.6%. In the United States, it's 9.1%. And in the UK, again, I, I may have a couple of decimal points in the wrong place, but 9.4%. Ian, if I had suggested these numbers to you five years ago, you would have laughed at me. <laughs> Morning, Lindsay. Yes. No, entirely. I think it's um, the path that inflation has taken has obviously shocked uh, a lot of people. And interestingly, I think the market participants have generally been more focused on one side of inflation, which has been the sort of constraints around supply. And obviously, everyone believed that as we would get a recovery, we would ultimately see sort of bottlenecks begin to unwind as COVID faded, or the challenges associated with COVID faded. And we would see sort of inflation be more transitory. Uh, the other side has been, in effect, an excess demand problem and that excess demand problem in particularly in the US economy and in part in places in Europe as well has been caused by the massive stimulus checks that were were handed out through the initial covid shock and obviously the the broad increase in money supply as well that central banks have put in place to to sort of help asset markets and the economy weather the turmoil through those big quantitative easing programs. So the, the challenge we've had is in somewhere like the US, we've, we've seen uh, in the period post-COVID, sort of the two-year period, we saw money supply grow at about 20% per annum, which has, has not happened this side of the Second World War. And so the problem is, is when you push that much money into an economy, the price of things go up uh, when supply can't, can't keep up. So that's the that's ultimately the problem we've had. And then obviously things begin to feed on that in terms of wages go up and, and the like. So, yes, it's certainly been a, a, a period we, we never thought we'd see five years ago. No, you're absolutely right. And, of course, the you talk about the challenges that you have and a man and woman in the streets in various jurisdictions have as well every single day. Uh, what about the poor central bankers who have either been behind the curve, slightly ahead of the curve, or just not even looking at the curve and just saying to themselves, well, we have to contain inflation because that's our mandate. But on the other hand, there's a, a recession looming, so we can't raise rates. There's so many different moving parts to this thing. Do you think they're handling themselves correctly? I think they're getting there. If you'd asked me that question nine months ago, we would have said what they're doing is a bit bonkers in the sense of the Federal Reserve was still actually printing money in January of this year. And they've effectively had to do sort of a handbrake policy term. So we would have said nine months ago, they were they were a long way behind the curve. So the labor market was getting very, very tight. Um, inflation was obviously beginning to accelerate. Wage growth was was very strong. And as I say, there was still still easing policy whilst all that was taking place. And obviously now what they've done is done the, the biggest policy adjustment we've seen in, in decades. So rapid increase of um, of Fed funds rate, uh, as well as we've seen in, in many other uh, other emerging markets uh, and developed markets around the, the world now. I think, interestingly, on, on your point on the curve and where central banks sit, I would actually say at the moment it looks like the Fed and some other central banks are actually either in line with the curve or potentially slightly ahead of it, because hmm. um, I mentioned money supply. So money, monetary aggregates are sort of stalling in the US. M2 money supply has not grown in six months now. We're seeing inflation expectations in the market begin to fall. 
and we're seeing leading indicators of growth begin to actually turn over quite quickly. So as you say, we're, we're now entering a phase of central banks are, are going to be experiencing slowing growth. And ultimately, they're looking at something that's a bit backward looking, which is, is inflation. So there is a pretty reasonable probability that they are still going to be maintaining tight policy or tightening policy whilst we see growth begin to, to slow, which has obviously implications for, for asset markets. Yes, and we'll talk about asset markets in a second. But just one last thing. You talked about inflation maybe, or you suggested that the inflation expectations may be tapering a bit. And in fact, I saw an article today in one of the well-known business uh, television uh, channels with a website that says that they think that European inflation might come back to 2 to 2.5% within a year. Because obviously the base effect has pushed inflation higher, uh, but the peak base effect will bring it much, much lower, which is very interesting. But anyway, let's have a look at the implications on asset classes. And before we get to your strategies, please, Ian, all over the place, the markets at the moment. Mm. Yes, I think when we when, as you sort of alluded to before, I think nine months ago, our main concern coming into this year was that central banks were way behind the curve. And they needed to adjust policy to get get ahead of the curve, in effect, and get control of inflation, given their, their objectives. And if you saw that beginning to play out or expected that to play out, then asset markets were in completely the wrong place in terms of valuation. So you had uh, um, the highest multiples uh, in decades of, since the, the, the tech bubble in the early 2000s on, on equities, and you had bond yields that were basically still, still on the floor. And obviously, the implication is as central banks lift discount rates and bond yields, uh, that was obviously placing going to place downward pressure on on uh, multiples within uh, within markets, and you see sort of a valuation reset. So, in effect, if you think about sort of the the risk return curve in terms of expected returns, government bonds across all asset classes up to to equities, that efficient frontier was very flat. In terms of expected returns and basically the whole thing shifting higher as central banks move away from this very easy policy towards a far more tight policy, which we will certainly see at the end of this year through Fed funds in particular being sort of up about three and a half percent and with sort of half a trillion being run off the Fed's Fed's balance sheet. So there's obviously been that big reset so far. And then obviously the question as we move forward is sort of how deep is slowdown going to be? Yes, I think that's one of the many things that to consume us every single day. One of the words that we've used on three occasions during this few minutes of podcast is implication or implications. What are the implications for your strategies at 91? So our multi-asset strategies have generally been much lower than average equity exposure coming in, into this year and through this year. And they've had much lower than average fixed income exposure as well. And obviously the balance means that they've had quite healthy allocations to to cash. And then within within uh, currency positioning as well, we've we've had the view that since the summer of last year that, that we would see policy divergence and macro-driven divergence on the basis that China was slowing after they did a lot of tightening last year. And we would see them move towards a more easy policy through this year. Um, whilst we expected the Fed to, to go hardest off major central banks, given the, how tight the labor market was and the other um, inflationary pressures uh, sitting within the, the US economy. Um, and as a result of that, we believe the dollar would strengthen quite notably. So, so in effect, the portfolios have been underweight equities, underweight fixed income, long cash, and long of uh, long US dollars. Um, now, 
uh, we've made some quite substantial changes in, in recent months. So uh, equities have increased a little bit as we've begun to take advantage of, of some areas where valuations have become very discounted, particularly in the, the Asian region. Um, the currency risk has been been collapsed within the strategy. So we've, we've exited all of those long dollar positions that we had against Asian currencies and European currencies on the basis that we think it's the, the dollar is pretty well priced now in terms of, of policy divergence um, against those major currencies. And within within fixed income, we've actually been increasing exposure to fixed income, uh, particularly sovereign bonds in the developed world, uh, and particularly sovereign bonds of those countries that have quite enormous uh, housing and household leverage imbalances. So that's countries like Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Korea. And we're doing that ultimately because we see these signs that both growth is now slowing and there are early signs that pricing pressures are beginning to, to slow as well. And usually when you have a negative environment for both growth and inflation, that's more supportive of of government bond yields in terms of them them moving moving lower. So we've effectively increased our exposure to to fixed income through defensive uh, rates uh, to a more average uh, level. It's quite interesting, isn't it? Because uh, here we are uh, talking about the business headlines coming to the front pages of publications with the, with the inflation story and the cost of living story. And now suddenly in a year's time, perhaps, as is being predicted by many experts, it goes back to, to, to normal, uh, how the markets will react to that. And that's, of course, something that you at 91 will be watching very, very closely. Ian, thank you very much for your time. Ian Cunningham is co-head of Multi-Asset Growth at 91 in London. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.